Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza. Hi, this is Anne-Marie Zanzel. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Business Success. I am so excited to welcome to the show today, Avani Patel. Avani Patel is the owner of the Eternal Alchemist. So a little bit about her. Avani recently left the corporate world after 20 years to pursue her passion for helping others. She's a hypnotherapist and she helps her clients with deep healing. As a coach, Avani teaches women how to handle the hustle and grind of burnout so that they have more balance, happiness, and fulfillment. Avani, welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you. Thank you. And it's an honor to be invited to the show. Oh, thank you. So you identify as uh, your pronouns are she, her, and you also identify as an ally. Can you tell me why you're, you know, there's allyship in which people say, oh, I'm an ally. But then there's allyship when people show up on a queer business thing and say, hey, I'm an ally. So how did you end up becoming such a strong ally to the queer community? I think for me, as I have become more stronger in my connection with myself and kind of on my own spiritual journey as a hypnotherapist, um, I do, you know, a lot of working with souls, right? Um, at the soul level, going into past lives, between lives where souls plan these lives that we're having right now and other lifetimes if that's something that you believe. And what I've really come to realize through this work and just through my journey is that we're all souls. There is no gender. There is no classification system. There is no one person is better than the other, you know, and when we can really see each other as a soul on their journey, doing the best that they can, you know, with what, we know we really just kind of learn to have compassion for each other and a lot of grace for each other. Mm -hmm. So the name of your business is Eternal Alchemist. Tell me what does alchemy mean? (laughs) For me, it's really taking, you know, as a hypnotherapist and a coach, right? You're taking things that we think aren't are, you know, aren't really the best parts of us, right? These limiting beliefs, these things that are holding us back, keeping us stuck, and we're alchemizing it. So we're taking these things and we're making them into something that propels us forward. We're creating an unfair advantage for us. Things that really are at that level, um, stopping us from being the best version of ourselves. We can, we can really embrace them instead of beating ourselves up so much about them. And then taking them and alchemizing it so that uh, it becomes some of our best qualities and not letting it stop us. So how did you get into hypnotherapy? 
And what did you do in the corporate world? I'm really curious about that. <laughs> so I started off my career uh, doing social work because I had majored in uh, psychology. I did it for three years and I realized that I just wore my heart on my sleeve. It, and I would like really worry about my clients. And I was much younger then, right? This was 20 years ago. And I would really worry about my clients even when I was not working, you know, and it really kind of put a strain on me. Talk about burnout, right? Right. So I stopped and I just, and at that time I was uh, ready to start a family. I, I think I was even a young mom. At, and so I decided to just shift and, you know, move towards corporate because I could use some of the skills that I'd had and bring them into corporate. So then I went into the corporate world doing like a lot of reporting, analyzing, and then really working my way into sales operations and uh, technology sales towards the end of my career. Mm -hmm. Do you miss corporate? (laughs) You know what? I miss the people. um, Yeah. Because you know, it could be lonely being an entrepreneur on your own. It is. But you know what? I'm really grateful for that time. And then what happened was during COVID, you know, I have two boys that are 18 now. They're twins. But at that time, they were 16, let's say, right? Close to 16. And we're talking about their future and, you know, do what you love and, you know, use your skills. And here I am. I'm like, you know what? I love what I'm doing. I'm good at it. But is it my passion? Is it my purpose? Probably not. And so that's what kind of led me towards hypnotherapy and coaching because it was always something in the back of my mind that I wanted to help people. I wanted to serve Mm -hmm. people, but I needed to kind of go through corporate, you know, as my kids were getting older, just to help the family out. And then as they got older, I also needed to stand firmly in what I wanted to do in my career. And, um, you know, which is obviously to help other people. Mm-hmm. So how'd you get into hypnotherapy? Did you go to a great hypnotherapist that rocked your world or something? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. This is so funny because about 10 years ago, I was in a bookstore and I was looking up a Deepak Chopra book because at that time it was kind of during the beginning of um, my spiritual journey and really wanting mm-hmm. to learn and having that thirst for knowledge. And I couldn't find the book that I was looking for and I randomly picked up a book by Michael Newton called Journey of the Soul. Mm-hmm. And he was a famous uh, hypnotherapist. I knew nothing about the book. I didn't even look at reviews. But that night I went and I started reading that book and I literally read it cover to cover. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this guy was basically looking at uh, between lives of people mm-hmm. using hypnotherapy as a format to get into that subconscious mind that really holds all the wisdom, all the knowledge from everything that there was and will be. Mm-hmm. So he used that subconscious, the subconscious mind got into hypnotic states for their, for his clients and then had them pull out different learnings, different teachings between lives and really kind of make, help me understand how we planned this lifetime before we came here, what circumstances we decided for ourselves, what quote unquote lessons, opportunities for growth we have, what people we came into this lifetime with. And the more I, you know, read up on this and other people after that, that have done this, I almost put them on a pedestal, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. They get to do this fascinating work. And around the pandemic time, I realized, I started realizing, you know what, what they can do. I I can can do do this. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I started doing uh, my own, you know, training, got, got my certification. I did a lot of practice on my friends and family who were so gracious to let me be their guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. And I really, you know, when, when you do something, you're naturally really good at it and you could see, I mean, this is not coming from a space of cockiness because that is not me at all. But I was mm-hmm. like, this is what I was meant to do because I'm just, you know, I, I, I can help people find results. Right. So it took a while for you to get your own clarity, Emba, on, on what you want to do. So it sounds like it's a real natural fit with your social work background that helping people through a, a different mode. I mean, there's all kinds of modalities and sometimes the more spiritual side are, is more helpful to people than the more let's talk about every one of your traumas side. <laughs> Right. You're, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like you could literally have three sessions with me and that could potentially equal six talking sessions with a therapist. Right. And I'm not saying that that is for everyone. You know, I'm going to put my little disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's our journey. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and so for some people that may, what you do may sound very, very interesting, but for other people, they're like, nope, it's not for me. And that's okay. We can all, you know, different modalities for different strokes for different folks. It's an old saying, but it's true, you know? Right. And, you know, hypnotherapy, like I worked on this lifetime, you know, so there's people that want to work on, um, you know, I have had clients that um, are part of the community and they, you know, have questions about themselves. And we go into this, uh, their their childhood and kind of see how they've progressed in their life and helping them really kind of come forward more confidently with clarity and truly believe in who they are as a person, as a human, you know, and then I've had, you know, so, you know, people with eating disorders or people with you know, stress, anxiety, all different things, you know, that hypnotherapy can help with. Um, And maybe it's a second choice, right? Maybe they've tried regular talk therapy and they're ready to try something new, whether it is this lifetime or a past lifetime. Or, you know, I also do a lot of coaching because I find that not only does it help to have hypnotherapy, but it also helps to coach people and, you know, give them, you know, accountability wisdom, you know, and helping them really kind of come into their own power. So when you work with people, women with burnout, is it typically women who are in the corporate world? Mostly it is uh, women in the corporate world, just because that is something that I relate to. I am open to other industries. Of course, I know a lot of industries like nurses and teachers. You see a lot of people in the caregiving industry, right? Yeah. Yes. And so I'm here to help, right? Anyone who is feeling that stress and, you know, who has stopped prioritizing themselves and Mm -hmm. prioritize work, other people, all of these factors that go into really burning out. In the beginning of our conversation, you talked about like you left social work because it sounds like your boundaries were pretty porous then. And so you, you know, just got to be too much for you. How have you worked on your boundaries? So now that you're working with people one-on-one again, how, I would just be curious, how have you, how have your boundaries changed and, and what have you done to work on them? You're right. That is a great question. I have worked on my boundaries, right? I've stopped, you know, like when I, when you look at some of these factors and again, it, it does, it's these limiting beliefs, right? And it goes back to burnout and, you know, uh, all these other things. I really stopped being a people pleaser. 
you know, that was huge for me. I don't know about if you've dealt with that too, but. Oh yeah. It's a big part of the later in life community. We're all people pleasers, recovering people pleaser. It's okay. I think most women in the world are recovering people pleasers, but we're trained to play people please. We are trained to do that. You're right. And growing up, this is what I talked to a lot of people about growing up. We're always told to be the nice girl, to, Mm -hmm. you know, um, not ruffle feathers, just to listen to what people tell us to do and be submissive and, you know, not some serving, but sometimes. Right. And so that's that's not people pleaser. Right. That we're like, okay, we just want to make people happy and we want everyone around us to be happy and healthy. And we give and we give and we give. And then we end up feeling depleted or burnt out, burnt out, resentful, resentful, you know, Mm -hmm. like how many times do we feel like, Oh, we gave so much and you know, people don't appreciate me or people, you know, X, Y, and Z, right. We feel Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. it's normal. Mm -hmm. It is normal. And, and, and learning to set boundaries around caretaking is really, really important. And I think that most women are taught to people, please. We are just taught to people, please. And so becoming aware what what happens for a lot of people is that when people aren't pleased with us, there's discomfort. And it's sometimes it's really hard for us to see that discomfort because we feel like we have caused it. And we really haven't. We've given an answer, yes or no, whatever it is. And the people may have discomfort, but it's their responsibility to deal with those feelings. And it's not ours. Like we're we're responsible for our feelings and to some extent for our children's, especially when they're young. But beyond that... We are really responsible for our feelings in dealing with the difficult emotions and what uh, what other people feel. They're responsible for them. They are. And and that's a really hard message to unlearn. Right. One thing that I used to tell myself all the time when I was really focused on stopping this pattern was I would tell myself, not my monkeys, not my circus, not my monkeys, not my circus. Mm-hmm. It was just like continuously repeating when I would tell my, when I would go into people pleasing mode and really what, it, what people pleasing mode comes out, comes down to is a sense of worthiness. Mm-hmm. If you really, really look into it, right. We want to feel validated. We want to feel worthy. We want to feel accepted. And when we realize that we are whole, we accept ourselves. We see ourselves in the light that we don't need other people to approve of us in that way. We don't need to do things and go above and beyond just to make people like us or approve of us. When we, when we kind of realize that it does come from that sense of self-worth, that's when we say, okay, I see that it's, it's a self-worth issue. I'm working on it. And, I, and I'm going to realize that it's sometimes it's a you problem, not a me problem. Right. Absolutely. So what's the most difficult part of your business? What's the most challenging? I guess probably want to use that word. Um, you know, I think, you know, for hypnotherapy, the challenging part is for people to really see it as a valid way to help. Because I think there's so much out there that people have seen, you know, where you're just like putting, uh, you know, you're swinging a clock or something, you know, mm-hmm. or like you see people on stage where they're like quickly hypnotizing people and making them dance and do all these things. I so know. People, yeah. Right. They see like right. the stage version of hypnotherapy and mm-hmm. it's kind of got a bad rap, but it's got a reputation of, you know, making you do things you don't want to do, or it's not like a valid form of therapy because it's, it's a, for entertainment purposes. Mm-hmm. 
And so the challenge is for people to really recognize that it's not just, um, it's not like that's only a small fraction of what people see. What people don't see is the deep rooted shifts and transformation that it can give you because it really gets to the root of the problem. So when you experience hypnotherapy for the first time yourself, what happened that like made you go, oh my goodness, this, this stuff is magical? Or did that not happen? And you had to go a couple of times before you've found value in it. What I realized is that we're all so busy and our minds are just constantly going, right? Like you're right. the monkey mind. We're just jumping from this to that. And so what hypnotherapy allows us to do is to kind of push our ego mind or our day-to-day mind out of the way so that we can really get to what is really at the bottom of it. And that's the transformation that I was able to see for myself too, Mm -hmm. is, you know, I was able to slow down and a really good hypnotherapist can get you to that state where you're calm, you know, and you're deep enough to where you can pull things out, but not in a state of where you don't know what's going on. And so when, when I had somebody do this with me, you can see like, what's underneath all of this and what's underneath all these layers that we don't even show other people. have. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So when somebody is coming to like their first session with a hypnotherapist, what should they expect? Because a lot of times people get frightened, so they just don't go because they're like, oh, what's going to happen? So what do you, someone who is obviously practicing it in an ethical and responsible way? (laughs) Yeah. So I always do an intake with somebody. So, Mm -hmm. and that's even before the first session so that we can really hone in on what you want, what are your goals? What are you looking for? And that in and of itself is, can I help you? Am I the right person to help you? If I'm not, I am so happy to tell you that, you know, this isn't right for you. Let, you know, maybe you should go to a traditional therapist or try something different. And then for my first session, I really work with people on, getting their mind to slow down the trust factor. I need you to trust me. I need you to let go, take out all the resistance, the walls that you have. So the first session is a lot of, you know, just kind of prepping your mind to trust, prepping your mind to be open and let go and receive and allow. What are you most proud of in your business? The people that I've been able to help. I mean, I knew from an early age, right? I majored in psychology. I knew I was meant to, to help people. And I see this hiatus that I took from that. But even then, right, you never know who you were helping. I was helping people. You were raising two children. I mean, (laughs) I mean, you're also in the middle of the corporate world, but also, too, you never know who you affect. We don't. We really don't know. And, you know, even in corporate, people would come to me like, oh, Avni, you helped me with this or, oh, Avni, I know you, you, what you said to me, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I hear this like throughout my lifetime. And so I, it just warms my heart. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even come from a place of, you know, I love hearing this. It, it helps to have validation that I'm on the right path. But it's just knowing that if I could just be a small ripple, mm-hmm. just a small pebble that creates that ripple for someone else to go help other people. Mm-hmm. That's what the world needs right now. Like that is what humanity needs as a whole is just, you know, I want to help more people, help more people, help more. I can imagine when you were leaving corporate America or the corporate world, did you face a lot of fear? Yes. Fear okay. of the unknown judgment. I didn't tell people what I was doing right away because A, I wasn't quite sure what the business was going to look like and B, this aspect of me, all the training, I never talked about it in corporate because I was afraid to be judged. 
Yeah. And then for the first few months, I hid behind my logo, like on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I never showed my face. All my posts were about, you know, it was just like print, you know, it didn't have me on there. Any personality, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it was in a weird way, a coming out for me that mm-hmm. this is me. This is who I stand for. And this mm-hmm. is what I believe. And this is how I'm here to help people. And that was, that is a process, right? We're all often afraid of being judged by others. And well, also too, when you're coming from a corporate environment, there's no woo, no woo in corporate a lot of times. And, and so like, I think we use the word with coming out with the queer community, of course, but I think that showing up authentically as who we are takes courage, It, you know, it takes courage, you know, yes, for queer folks, but also for you to show up as somebody who's embraced the woo and let the satellite of people around you or the, you know, the galaxy of people, you're the satellite, the galaxy of the people around you see that Avani is, you know, more than this corporate persona they saw that she's actually has a lot of gifts and skills that she wants to offer the world. And so that visibility, what you mentioned is very, very common. Like people really struggle with visibility and also too, people who are caretakers struggle with visibility. If you're not a natural caretaker, it's much more easier for you to be visible. Why do you think that is? Because I think that when you've been trained as a professional caregiver, like a a social worker, I was a minister, chaplain. I think we're used to taking a back seat. You know, I think we're used to like holding sacred space for people quietly so that they can do the work they need and and to like promote ourselves to do that is often hard for people because we're used to you know not promoting ourselves we just quietly do the work people around us know so our clients know of course but we're not used to promoting ourselves i think i need to do a workshop on like you know promote visibility for caregivers yes. and you know what you bring up a good point because when i did actually show up authentically i had so many people reach out to me like avni you're that's so cool that you're doing this i'm so proud of you this is so exciting i'm exciting for you and it's like sometimes the judgment is from our own thinking, you know? Absolutely. We're harder and we we think the worst when really it's not that bad. We just, yeah, most you know, people, and also too, most people don't spend thinking more than a minute or two of us. <laughs> that is true. Unless We're not that important. <laughs> well, unless they're related to us or they're, you know, our parents or our children or our spouses or our brothers or sisters or some very held friends, good held friends. Most people in our world do not think about us for more than a minute, honestly, honestly, like, so like I'm saying this, you know, if you're a corporate person who wants to do things with the woo, your corporate friends will say, oh, nice. (laughs) And that's it. And, you know, like if you're coming out a lot of times, I mean, the the really where it's difficult for people is a lot of times family and friends can be very unaccepting. But beyond that, a lot of times people are just like, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) And then then they move on. You know, they don't spend time. People do not think about us as much as we think they do. 
Exactly. And I think once you um, kind of feel into your purpose and you mm-hmm. feel confidently and authentically in it, then you start to not care about what other people think. So you I do. could have, you know, really loving, caring people in my life. And if they question like, Avni, why are you doing this? Or does it make sense? Or I can't believe you gave up a, you know, a corporate salary to do this. You know, you get those questions, right? From people like, oh, you want to start over again at this age, you know, whatever. And it's like, when you know what you want to do and that this is really what you're meant to do, you stand firmly in it and you just really don't care other people you don't you really really don't care and it's so funny I you know you said at this age which is to me that's like sort of another thing that I'm adding to my my work is because I'm I'm getting older and it's I've started over I have always been a perpetual late bloomer I have always started over again and again and again and again and really we shouldn't let our age limited us. I mean, there are 60s and 70 year old people that are doing things that are incredible. And I feel like that I, you know, you said, oh, but you know, do you want to start over at this age? Like, honey, like age has nothing to do with it, you know? And in fact, a lot of times just a bold, you know, a, 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 a random statistic, you know, when, when people's, when startups are headed by people in their forties and fifties, they're much more successful than when they're, when they're, because we have, we have wisdom, we have experience. We, we understand things that sometimes people that are younger don't Yeah, but they will, you know? Exactly. And I think some of the most successful entrepreneurs have reinvented themselves. Oh, yeah. And over and over again, you know, you look at someone like Madonna, who reinvented herself, Oprah, who reinvented herself from like a journalist to, you know, like having Super Soul Sundays to, Mm -hmm. you know, you see these people who really continue to learn different aspects of themselves and then they continue to share that with the world. Yeah, they get passionate about whatever is like Oprah. I agree with you Um, because I've seen her evolution over the over the she's presented herself so many different ways. Like, you know, think about her and, you know, when she's in her 30s and rolling out the fat of the hamburger meat to show how much how much weight she had lost. She would never do that now in a billion years, you know, because I think at that point she was really proud of herself and it was a very appropriate response, but also to like not thinking of the, you know, all the ramifications, like when you do that and things like that. And she's learned and grown and it's been really sort of delightful to watch all that with her, with, 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 with her work. So as I said to you before I, before I talked, uh, and I started talking about this, I said, I may ask you a question that has nothing to do with your business. And so I am, uh, someone's in the corporate world and they really want to take the leap. What's your piece of advice to them? Just do it. Like take your, take these, the inspired action every single, you know, every single day, you know, take some time to really think about what you want to do write it out. What am I good at? What do I want to share? What's the impact I want to make to the world? And then start because you really are here to make an impact on other people. And uh, you can only do that if you start using your voice and showing up authentically. Absolutely. Evany Patel, how can people find you? You can find me everywhere. (laughs) Um, And I'm usually under uh, Eternal Alchemist. And so mm-hmm. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, I'm under Avni Patel. Yeah, find me, connect with me, DM me, um, let me know how I can help support you and 
help me. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show today. It was delightful to talk up to you and hear more about your business and what you do. Thank you for having me. I look forward to talking to you soon. You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA plus businesses. New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms. Wherever you're listening, take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's also queer? Want to share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us? We'd love to have you on the show. Just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest. Until next time, queer friends and allies, keep taking care of business.